This episode of the Spectre Cinema Club is brought to you by Hotel Broslin, the classiest joint in the Bronx for only $20 a night, with discounts on twin beds, especially if you're a twin. Come on down, we got vacancy for days. Hey, 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 welcome to the Spectre Cinema Club, a podcast obsessed with horror subgenre. My name is Garrett McDowell, your co-host, sitting across from me in the physical space this week. It's Devon Taylor. Hello, hello. Yes, we are back together. We had a few uh, few more episodes than usual mm-hmm. on uh, Zoom, but, you know, we had a bunch of guests recently and whatnot. So um, but we are back in in a studio Taylor uh, here in the heart of North Hollywood. Um, and but here in North Hollywood, it, it's only physical. In our in our mind, that's right. Where we're in a different place. Taking a vacation. Where where are we going to this month, Garrett? We're uh, I, I I'm gonna try not to sing. There's could be a lot of songs that could come to mind this week, but we are going to the Big Apple to New York City. Uh, very excited to uh, be diving head on into our newest theme for the month of March. Going to New York City. Have you actually been to New York City? That was gonna be my question to you. Yes, I've uh, I've been twice. I went um, for a, a high school choir trip, so like that was my first trip before I was an adult. So I got the that was my touristy New York trip. You know, we did all the all the touristy stuff, saw all the sights, and nice. it was a great time. We had a we had a super uh, super great time. But then uh, speaking of singing songs, though, uh, the choir trip happened the same year that um empire state of mind came out oh nice so it was literally people singing that nonstop <laughs> on the bus when we're walking in the restaurants like see that was the song you could resist to sing at the beginning of this episode either that or like huey lewis in the news you know lots of songs come to mind but yeah, yeah. I've, I've been to new york once uh it was in high school um i was going to go to to europe um and then do you remember uh, that like Paris shooting happened and then the school like altered the trip to where it was just like going to Italy, which I wanted to do anyway. Didn't it was just like a late in the game kind of change. I was like, well, all right, I guess I'm going to New York City, which I went to New York for like a week. Had a lovely time. So I'm glad this isn't like another Stephen King month where it's like we're talking about Stephen King. <laughs> Neither of us have read any of his books. So at least we get like a, a you know, a taste of the city. Yeah, I got I got my I got my more like accurate uh, New York experience the second time I went, which was like a few years ago. I went uh, during Halloween weekend, Ooh, which was um, it, very fun. Uh, it was fun. It was rainy. Um, but I definitely got a, a little bit more of the experience, obviously, being able to like go out and stuff. But then I was like. Uh, uh, New York, cool city. Uh, don't love the people. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the New York mentality of like just being an asshole for the hell of it. And I got a <laughs> lot. I experienced a lot of that. Uh, got into a fight on Halloween night in a bar. Got my Uber Eats stolen one time. Hell yeah. Um, you know, so that that's that's New York for you. I'm walking here and we're podcasting here. So yeah, uh, there's going to be nothing but good vibes though here this month, unless you want to have like a, a brawl, you know, mid episode <laughs> or something. Hey, we, I mean, <laughs> we don't we don't have the um, the the violent New York movies uh, set up this this month, except for uh, Scream next week. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely probably be the most, uh, uh, you know violence from what uh, i'm heavy hearing of it from what i'm hearing um, it's a little grimy a little yucky i i hope so and i think that's you know what i'm very excited about to get into for this month is because new york is such an interesting setting because it not only has you know iconic imagery to it people you know very much know new york um uh, but then there's you know it's a it's, it's grittier it's grimier you you can kind of look at new york and know what the smell of it is sometimes yeah. you know and, and new york often becomes a character in some of these movies yeah and i think that this movie that we're talking about today is like that interesting time of the 80s to where it's like you know that that transitional period of the 80s to where it's still super yucky <laughs> it's like you know you're walking down and there's uh, like adult and strip club stores everywhere it's not quite as cleaned up it's not quite as classy if you want to call new york that today this is still like quite a quite a grimy gross you know just sticky dusty movie that we're talking about today <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely, I mean, it, it's somewhat cleaner, but at the same time, it's really not. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, New York, like, it, it very much still kind of has that history and texture to it. Not that we don't have that out here in L.A., just go downtown, it's disgusting. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, so it, we do have that, but, like, you know, typically in film, though, 
LA is usually portrayed a little bit more romantically, a little bit more shiny. Yeah. Uh, versus New York is kind of uh, depicted a little bit more uh, viscerally and uh, yeah. a little more textured. Certainly, and I think uh, definitely the eras uh, lend to it too. I think about like um, uh, we talked about like the Predator Two last uh, uh, just a few months ago of you know pr- portraying this certain area of just metropolitan life is like there's gangs and violence and shooting and uh, so we took a trip to the West Coast. Now we're going dedicated an entire month to New York City. So what movie are we talking about today? It's my pick. I'm very excited to talk. Yeah, about Yeah, I mean you you have uh, been known to kind of pick some of the more uh the more b movies some more of them the uh more undercurrents um even though i wouldn't you know put this one as far as uh the the trees cheesy trash that i was expecting it to be because i'd never seen it <laughs> yeah I, I knew the legend of basket case mm-hmm. and i had seen the uh i did watch the kill counts before i had seen the movie so i mean yeah. i did kind of have somewhat of an idea um but um but i'm excited and we're only and we are doing the first one this is a trilogy if you can believe it yeah um and uh, who knows, maybe those other movies might pop up, but uh, uh, wasn't thinking that Basket Case was going to kind of get its own month to itself. So uh, I'm excited to get into it. But before we do, just want to give you guys a reminder to keep up with us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, uh, you know, giving us reviews on Spotify and Apple are the best way to help support us. Um, we've gotten some new ones on Spotify um, where, where our rating is climbing. So that helps, you know, the numbers are going up and uh and we don't have a Patreon at the moment, um, but the best thing that you can do is if you listen to this podcast and you like it, share it when you're listening. Share it on Instagram. Retweet it to a friend. Anything like that. We would greatly appreciate it. But now, let's go ahead and get into our movie for today's episode. Basket Case, released April 7th, 1982. This was written and directed by Frank Henenlotter. This was his directorial debut. Um, and this was a super micro-budget film. Uh, it's kind of legendary as far as independent films go. This was only a $35,000 budget, um, mainly that he raised himself. They kind of had to film this over various different filming periods just because they would either run out of film or they would run out of something else or uh, other uh, actor schedules and stuff. So this actually, they like kind of filmed it over like a year and a half period mm-hmm. uh, on and off. The um, cinematography was done by Bruce Torbett, who uh, shot the thing on 16 millimeter, which um, uh, this is where uh, transfers and restorations are great because man, the the uh, restoration for it actually looks really good. Yeah. Um, that is on streaming sites and it also does have a 4K release through, um, I think, Screen Factory. Um, so you can uh, find that. Um, it actually looks really, really good. But from what I know, the original uh, version of it did not look so good. It had like switching aspect ratios, apparently, <laughs> um, and stuff like that. So uh, it turned out really nice. A score done by Gus Russo. Um, and this was also edited by Frank Henenlotter as well. Um, this has a 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. A little deceptive. It's only got 26 reviews, but I'm actually glad it has a, a positive score for what it does have. Right. And uh, on Letterboxd, this has an average rating of 3.3 out of 5. And man, we have a multitude of subgenres to get into with this one. But, of course, Garrett, why do you want to talk about this one? So, I'm the leadoff hitter for this month in in New York City. And I I think that when when you're given the theme of New York, I at least wanted to... The, the the movie taking place in New York, I either wanted it to impact the plot directly or like the theme or the feeling of the movie. And I think that this film, if it took place in, you know, New Orleans or uh, Miami or Los Angeles or something like that, it would be a different movie. Like it wouldn't feel or look like this. So I think that this movie achieves both of those. It involves the plot of the film. There's even like uh, a tourist section uh, section in the movie to where you see like our protagonist go to like certain, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sites and, and things like that. And somebody even kind of berates him for not seeing certain things that, that he should. Uh, but also I think it really does most important impact the feeling of this movie this is like a pretty gross grime film uh and i i think that you know that is is, is relation uh, you know is relating to the relationship that we see of the two leads in the movie i guess if you want to call it that uh, but also just the tone of the film like this is really the epitome of that early 80s new york city to where you you know there's rats in the sewer and it's just gross and you know steam in the alleyways and all this kind of thing 
I think that this is just a, a very like you know just uncomfortably yucky movie. Uh, and I think that yeah, so New York City. It's a good theme. Uh, it's a very open theme. There's a lot of like ways that you can go in this, but I kind of wanted to start us off in that direction of like specifically plot and theme and location and uh, tone driven. Yeah, I, I think this is a great place to start because one, um, the the location definitely adds to the the seediness of the movie, totally. uh, the exploitation vibes that we'll kind of get into a little bit later, um, and and that general just kind of sense of danger. Um, this mm-hmm. isn't um, not quite on the level of, uh, say, the Warriors that we talked about where, you know, right. apparently danger is just around every corner. Somebody <laughs> ready to fight you. Um, but, you know, we that's do what still you experienced when you went to uh, New York City. Literally, <laughs> literally. And uh, but there is still a, a, a degree of that here. And uh, for my first time watch, I really enjoyed this. This yeah. was uh, it has a lot more going on than I thought it was like. And our script is actually pretty solid in mm-hmm. some of the things that he's exploring. And, um, of course, you know, um, we, we got this very interesting, weird story and it being set in New York also does help that, you know, Hen Lauer, that's where he's from. And Mm -hmm. with this being a micro budget film, you know, it kind of has that, you know, that, that bootstraps, you know, vibe to it. And a lot of people, you know, know the hustle of New York and how hard it is to, you know, make shit happen in that city. So you can definitely uh, get, you you feel a lot of that in this too, as far Mm -hmm. as Henlotter, uh, his ambition uh, for this idea. But um, I love how uh, the cast, uh, the performances all seem to be in like five different movies, but it works uh, in a (laughs) very funny way. And uh, and uh, Belial, the the creature effects look pretty solid. We got a few stop motion sequences in there. Like mm-hmm. uh, there, there's a, a good amount of uh, things to talk about here in this movie. And uh, you know, beyond its uh, kind of cult status as you know this like kind of cheesy uh, B horror movie, but like there's a, there's a lot of effort and thought put into this movie that I very much yeah. appreciate. Yeah, I think. I understand, like, going into this movie and just assuming that it's just going to be, like, cheap trash, which I think, although can be fun for, like, a group watch or something like that, for a podcast, it's just not as interesting. Um, However, I do think, this is my second time watching the movie, I do think that there is actually quite a bit uh, of of substance to it, or at least, uh, hopefully, it will spring for a substantive conversation. But, yeah, rewatching this, knowing exactly what I was going to get and finding new things to appreciate about it, um, I had just as much fun, if not more, fun uh, rewatching it this time and was able to like really settle into it and just kind of you know let it wash over me as, a, as opposed to you know a first time watched where you're just not really sure what to expect is it a cheesy b movie that's just fun and not much else or is it you know something else and thankfully i think it's a little bit of that perfect kind of goldilocks middle you know yeah i think the i think it's you know it, it kind of transitioned because that the restoration didn't come out until 2017 so prior to that, it was like kind of one of those kind of hard to find movies, uh, yeah. which added into its cult status. And then again, like the the quality of it was not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think with the restoration coming, you know, a few years ago, that definitely made it able for more people to see it. But then also to kind of get past like that first element of trash of it looking mm-hmm. like trash, uh, you know, you get past that. And that's like, oh, no, this is a real movie with like real movie things in it. Yeah. And, and I very much appreciate it. Um, and so before we get into our six second synopsis, this is your point to jump out if you have not seen it, because we're going to go full spoilers. Uh, you can watch it for free on Tubi. It's on Screenbox. And get this. It's on the Criterion channel. <laughs> is it really? It is. <laughs> I did not know that. I, I watched it on Tubi, but I'm glad that the Criterion channel finally has some good content on there. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Doesn't have the physical Criterion release, but it just not being yet. on the not Criterion yet. streaming service uh, is enough flowers to give this movie. So I'm very happy for that. So That's incredible. you ready to uh, hit the synopsis? I am ready as I'll ever be. All righty. I got you with one minute on the clock here in three, two, one. Uh, we've got our little uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed uh, little young man here. His name is Dwayne Bradley. He arrives in New York City with a wicker basket uh, and, a, and a you know dream in his heart. Uh, his dream is to go to the big city uh, and seek revenge. Dun dun dun. Uh, we uh, learned that he and his brother, who were conjoined twins when they were younger, were separated, uh, dooming one of them to a life of pain and suffering and maybe even death. So they, in their you know 
know, older age, traveled to this big city trying to seek this doctor and those who aided him uh, in trying to separate them. But Dwayne in New York City uh, not only grows kind of apart from his brother, but also falls in love with a girl and maybe starts to question if this, you know, path of vengeance that he's set upon is really the best way. And uh, uh, conflict comes to blows between Dwayne and his uh, weird mutant brother (laughs) and time there you go with some seconds seconds to spare there and uh yeah you 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 hit it pretty straight on like and and i'd say it's interesting because the first half is like pretty straightforward Mm -hmm. you know you got the bros come in they're you know they're uh making our way uh dead bodies are showing up and then of course you know it's them like i love how for the first like 20 minutes they did try to like make it a mystery like what is Dwayne? Like, what's his deal? Yeah. And, like, try to make him mysterious. It's like, come on, we know what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like the the first half is like kind of straightforward, and then the second half is where they just start adding in a bunch of you know psychosexual elements, and like yeah. you get more of the backstory, and you also get a lot of the emotion out of it too, because uh, mm-hmm. like you know like we Belial, let, let's get out of the way. Belial's a person, okay? He is. Belial is a person. He has autonomy. Uh, well, kinda. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I will talk about him as such because he very much is a character. He's got a name and everything. He's got a face. He's got hands. He's got, he's got, he's got a heart. He's got feelings. He's got heart. He's got, he's got feelings, you know? And, uh, and I like that, you know, in the second half, we really kind of get, uh, into a little more depth of, uh, kind of what's going on beyond this, uh, kind of simple revenge element. Yeah. Um, but as far as some of the other subgenres going on, um, even though I just said that he is a person and a character mm-hmm. this still does kind of have you know the the creature feature elements to it you know he is a a, a deformed pretty you know uh, they they make his design you know very kind of far past mm-hmm. human but I feel like that's kind of what adds into that you know the the struggle and the, you know the things that people kind of say about Belial throughout the film yeah so we got some some creature feature elements there um but we also uh I wouldn't consider Belial a slasher but I mean he kind of is a little bit. He's got yeah. claws. You he, know? he just doesn't have like a, a a signature kill style besides just mauling people. Yeah, and and he's got a he's got a calling card like an an aural calling card. He just screams and just wails. You know, he doesn't have like a music cue. It's just I, this has got to be one of the most like you don't want to watch this movie too loud because either your roommate or your neighbors are gonna be like, what in the fuck are you watching? It's just <laughs> Belial just <laughs> completely screaming like a banshee while he's attacking people. The screams are like so guttural, but it like really it, is. but it like it does, but like you, you understand, like you know, for like pain. when when there's the character that can't communicate with words, and yeah. like that's the best they can do, and he's just pent up with all this rage. Yeah, um, it, you totally get it. So it's like even though it's like I feel like some people might complain that it's like okay, the screaming gets you know a little wild, but it's like I get it. Like yeah, like I am mad. I I get Belial's total torment all the time to mm-hmm. just want to be screaming like that. Uh, he do great the midsummer commune. Oh my god, they would welcome him with open arms. <laughs> he would become the new prophet. They could all scream and yeah. uh, experience pain together. He would do great over there. He would. Yeah, he'd be welcome right in with with open arms. Yeah, well, Belial as a creature is is certainly uh, one to behold, really. I think he he's like a weird mix of like a chewed up piece of gum and then one of those like, you know, those little rubber things that you put on your fingers, like the little <laughs> finger puppets like with the Oh, the we call them finger condoms at the bar. Finger condoms? Okay. Yeah, yeah sure. The little finger puppet finger condoms and then like a chewed up piece of gum uh really is uh, quite a sight to behold uh, or or if you want just take the the words from Dwayne's mouth you call him a squashed octopus <laughs> i was like damn yeah. roasted yeah you i i think also yeah the you know belial is, a, is an interesting character but Dwayne too also has this like you know, they were really close when they were younger, and then as he's gotten older, and he's, you know, uh, once he gets the drinks flow, and we get to see a little bit of, like, the honesty behind him, and he's, like, laughing at his brother and kind of, like, mocking him. So, yeah, I think you're right. With Belial, there is, like, a bit of sympathy there. Not much, but it is also there. I don't know. I feel quite a bit of sympathy, honestly, because, mm-hmm. like, and there's, you know, there has, of course, like, I love that there's academic writings about Basket Case, but I did <laughs> see, like, a couple writings and, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, on kind of takes of, like, abortion here and, like, mm-hmm. uh, and there's also, like, even, like, 
uh, my like very outside the box like subgenre element I saw is like it's kind of a rape revenge in a way. Sure. Because it's like when you think about it, it's like these boys had their bodies violated, you know, mm-hmm. beyond their consent. They were drugged. And, you know, forcefully, you know, this happens to him. And then Belial's literally tossed in the trash. Yeah. And, like, you know, that's, like, it, it's kind of reminiscent of a lot of, like, rape victims in in some of these exploitation films. So you mm-hmm. can kind of see some of that, uh, see some of that influence. But it's, like, obviously it's a rape revenge without, like, the sexual angle to it. Well, yeah. at least in that angle. Because sure. there is a ton of psychosexual stuff going on. Because mm-hmm. it's also kind of a coming of age for for Dwayne in a, in a way. Because, you know, he's they've kind of been on their own and he reveals later that like that was his first kiss and the first like girl he's been with. Mm-hmm. And part of Belial's rage is all this sexual repression he has within him because he's not able to have these sexual yeah. experiences that Dwayne has. So yeah. there's such a very interesting mix of subgenres. Yeah. And I think that there's an obvious kind of like creature feature angle. I think, I don't know if it's like an official subgenre, but I'm uh, lumping this into just grime horror. Like this is such a, as I mentioned, like such a, a, a grimy uh, CD movie. And I think uh, also the era in which it was made from like a technical perspective, like it being shot on film with practical, effects there's even stop motion in this movie I think uh, certainly contributes to that uh, but uh, I also think and this is a you had mentioned some of the the theories out there I also think that there's a pretty substantive reading that you could have of this being having a lot of like queer subtext under it too uh, I, I think that that was something that I picked up more on this time as far as like having Dwayne you know having maybe some of these thoughts or some of these feelings kind of like you know behind his mind that really only he can hear that that, you know, when he's in the comfort of his own apartment, like neighbors are hearing things and he feels, you know, like he needs to like kind of repress some of those things. Mm. And, you know, and him feeling a little bit more comfortable out in the open is when he's going on dates with this lady and, you know, having some resentment towards these thoughts that are kind of in his head. So I I think that there's a lot of readings that, you know, somebody could have this as uh, have on this as far as this thing that's been, you know, a part of you since you were younger that others are calling you you know, a freak or a mutation or mm-hmm. something that you need to repress or, you know, remove from your your being that is kind of, you know, driving this lifestyle. So I, I think that, that, yeah, there's lots of, you know, uh, a Rorschach test of a movie if we've ever seen one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I could I could definitely see some of that, too. You know, um, obviously, like you said, like of this uh, kind of uh, withdrawn secret that uh, that you're comfortable with, but, you, you know, that, you know, the world isn't comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And um, and even just, you know, by the casting of uh, Ke- Kevin Van Hentertick, mm-hmm. Hentertrick, geez. Um, even with his casting, you know, mm-hmm. he has a very soft, effeminate face and like yeah. he has like a very luxurious head of hair. And like so like you, know, you, you could definitely kind of put some of those readings on it. And I didn't feel it as much because I was also kind of uh, more into this like kind of uh, family shame kind of uh, angle that they're kind of working. Of, yeah. Like, you know, he obviously cares for Belial like very much. He wouldn't go through all this effort to still take care of him mm-hmm. and all the things that they went for if he didn't. You know, he very much cares for him, uh, very much, uh, you know, treats him as a person. Um, but it's also like, you know, like even though it's like he, he like you say, he has that resentment mm-hmm. and uh, of, you know, kind of, you know, showing him to other people. Because like what if he socialized Belial more and, you know, tried to <laughs> tried to like get him to interact with people? Maybe Belial wouldn't be so, you know, volatile as he is because like that's the thing that frustrates him is like, yeah, I got this brother and I love him, but like he fucking snaps at the snap of a finger, you know, yeah. and like, and what can I do? Sure. Uh, so it's like you kind of have that, but like, and, uh, you know, we talked about last year being a very good year for sibling horror and, uh, and like, I really do like feel the the genuine like sibling, uh, connection between them, especially with, um, you know, with, uh, Dwayne's actor having to you know act with a puppet for a majority of this yeah um is uh who also doesn't like talk he's not much of a scene partner he's only kind of responding to this inner monologue there's not like subtitles or anything in this so he's just kind of love responding to this you know uh, disembodied voice yeah it it makes it feel a little bit more real it makes it feel like you know like that's what we would be witnessing if we're like watching them uh communicate like I like that uh Belial didn't have subtitles I feel like they could have been it would have been super cheesy if we would have like seen the words that Belial's making, mm-hmm. but instead we don't. We only get Dwayne's responses to it, especially that yeah. uh, the bathroom scene is mm-hmm. actually really touching. Like whenever yeah. uh, after you know uh, Belial has his tantrum in the hotel room, 
and then he's hiding out in the toilet and then like Dwayne has to like get him out and he's cleaning him up and he's like cradling him and they're like having this conversation yeah except it's a one-sided conversation but like mm-hmm. just in the the way that he delivers it and the genuineness like I totally I was like oh yeah I, I know exactly what they're talking about right now I get it yeah I think uh, there's certainly a lot that you could like read in between the lines and I do think that this film does have a lot of like interesting ideas and a lot of things kind of lingering under the surface. I think what would stop a lot of people from enjoying this to its fullest potential is it's not a a very high budget film. So a lot of the effects, yeah, don't like super hold up, especially a lot of the kills are often mostly just people with like blood streaming down their face. And that's kind of about it. Also, a lot of the performances in the movie are not very strong either. This has like the acting quality of your, you know, local community theater uh, and, and really not much above that. So I think that obviously the filmmaking side of this, it's not, uh, uh, you know, uh, some illustrious piece of art or anything, but I think that there is a, a pretty, uh, a, a pretty like endearing story here, uh, a, like a healthy dose of, of fucked up and pretty like gross and disturbing. Um, but uh, one that I do think is, you know, uh, is not really what you would expect given like the technical quality of the movie, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Oh yeah. And, and like I said, it's like, it, but then if like you do, like if somebody gives it a shot and like watches at least the first 15 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, they can kind of get to appreciate and be like, Oh no, like, you know, again, like this isn't just like, it's not cheap for cheap sake, you know, it's cheap because it had to be and like, yeah. this is the way that he had to do it. But he, you know, that doesn't diminish like the effort and thought put put behind for sure it. this i wouldn't ne- i would never lump this into like a same category as like a sharknado or something like that it's not like it's not low budget and it's also aiming low if that mm-hmm. makes sense yes. those movies are not really for me uh these films that are on purpose bad accidentally bad movies i think are more enjoyable but i think that this is neither i think that this is a a, a film that had to aim low for like practical reasons mm-hmm. but i don't think it ever sells itself short of being you know a, a film that's trying to tell a compelling story you know in in an impactful story at that yeah cuz i cuz at one point i did think i was like it would they you know it would have been easier and like would it have been as effective if like you know Belial doesn't even leave the basket mm-hmm. you know they could have like easily if they wanted to like still try to be like obviously like they are constrained by his budget and like they could have done that but he didn't he's like no I'm gonna have Belial I'm gonna yeah. do the stop motion where I need to, to like have a move I'm gonna have him carried around we're gonna have a full Belial like prosthetic you know mm-hmm. um they easily still with the budget could have cut the corners and he didn't yeah, I, I definitely uh, uh, commend the the filmmaker here, and uh, boy, did they milk that as much as they could, considering that this has like several sequels following that. I don't know how you know much those are you know maybe aim for a similar goal, but uh, yeah, I would be uh, curious to see. Uh, I haven't seen either of those. I haven't really heard if they're as I've seen know, the I've seen the kill counts for them. I haven't watched the movie, but I did see the kill counts, and they go to some places. Uh, Belial has a kid. That's the that's the third movie is he has a kid. Good um, for him. So he so he does eventually satiate that sexual repression. Ooh, <laughs> I, oh man, uh, yeah. Oh man, the images, the mental images. <laughs> yeah, and and to like kind of get into to some of that because like I said, like the the first half is pretty grounded and straightforward. Like you know, it's you were just kind of seeing Dwayne trying to go about his way, and then it at, at, at first the first few kills make it seem like it's more accident but mm-hmm. then like as the movie goes on it's like no like they are doing like out for revenge on purpose yeah and uh and which i which i enjoyed i thought i mean even though like you said uh the the kills we can't ag- we couldn't see like the actual kills themselves but i still like like what the aftermath looked like at mm-hmm. least on uh, most of them like uh the yeah. uh, dr cutter with all the syringes in her face like yeah looked pretty gruesome mm-hmm. uh, and even that like weird home alone contraption that they made to like kill their dad yeah <laughs> yeah a lot of the kills in this mostly end on like the same beat it's somebody like completely mangled like looking down the barrel of the camera and just screaming like that's mostly <laughs> kind of like the 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 you know the nice buzz at the end of the, all of these scenes <laughs> there's like a i think it's uh when they're killing doctor uh i think it was like when they killed the first doctor yeah uh the very first kill is they like it's belial attacks and then like his body and face drop down out of camera comes back up their scratches and then they like do it again he like goes <laughs> below the camera and comes back up and there's like more blood and prosthetics yeah. added yeah. onto it it's like uh you know like I, I see what you're doing you know they did what they could for sure um, 
Yeah, you know, but I mean, we still get you know what four or five kills in this. Like we get a, we get a decent amount. Yeah, I I think it really is this kind of again like doing the best of of what you can with, with the budget. I don't f- I feel like it would have been easier for them to just say okay, well we don't really have the means for this, so all of the kills are either going to be implied like off camera or you know, we're going to have one or two to where we really invest a lot of money into that. And, you know, whether or not you think that that pays off, I think that they try their best with what they're given and $35,000 is not much. Like that is, uh, you know, such a a shoestring budget. I mean, also imagine like a, um, you know, I feel like they could have also like put in an angle where, because uh, Dwayne never actually kills anybody in this. Mm-hmm. It's all Belial. Yeah. Uh, and I think that could have also been an interesting angle of like, what if they set it up to where it's like you see like the, the vicious mangling and stuff and mm-hmm. like hear the screams, but like, what if Belial wasn't doing it? What if it's like he's screaming, but he's screaming because he's like cheering Dwayne on. Dwayne Ooh. was the one doing <gasps> the killing. Yeah. That could have, I thought that could have been interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just because I've seen other, like the other read is like kind of uh, Belial representing Dwayne's id uh, as like, you know, the, the kind of, you know, unleashed, you know, untethered, you know, the, what he could show the world if he wanted to. But Belial does that for him. You know, yeah. maybe he does have these, you know, like, you know, violent tendencies and like pain and anger within. But, you know, he's very soft spoken throughout the movie. You never yeah. really get uh, the same, uh, you know, rage that we get from Belial in it. Um, but I, I say with that reading, though, comparing Belial to his id, also, again, reduces Belial to not being a character because he is his own character. <laughs> yeah, I do like this nice kind of pairing between the two of them. You know, they're a typical odd couple. Devon, one's clean, one's messy. <laughs> one's clean, one's messy, one's tall, one's short. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I think it is a nice pairing between because you do have this kind of you know Norman Bates-esque timidness behind him. I also do think that uh, uh, the way that you know, uh, the way that Dwayne is is portrayed, I do see how some people could see there is like a a queer reading to be had here. Um, I think he definitely does have a lot of like timidness and meekness to his performance, which I think you know, like a Norman Bates is this that makes for like this really nice sort of like combo punch of you have this person who is, you know, wouldn't hurt a fly, so to speak. And then, you know, little do you know that they have this like horrible monster in this, you know, hidden box. And you know, I, I think that, you know, makes for an interesting pairing. And then again, kind of contributing to what you were saying as far as like having these different reads of what, you know, Belial could represent. I, I, I think that, you know, uh, who's to say we don't have a Belial within all of us that we're hiding away in some sort of basket. <laughs> exactly. And and I, I love with uh, uh one thing with, um, you know, the, the idea of like how we were saying, like, you know, there's the metaphor that like, you know, that is, you know, him carrying a secret around. But I like how we do have like the physical representation of how much Dwayne has to carry this basket around yeah. New York. Is kind you'd of hilarious. You'd put him in like a stroller or a suitcase or something. You know? I mean, yeah, I guess they didn't have like you know chest harnesses just yet. <laughs> like a Bjorn. Yeah, right. I got one for Cal. He loves it. <laughs> um, but you know, I found it kind of funny. But then also like, uh, I found it funny like how much people are interested in this. And again, I feel like that's kind of a, it's supposed to be part of the New York of it. Is like I love that he he goes to the movie theater with Belial in the basket. Yeah. And uh, some guy is so interested that he decides to steal the basket. Like, if I saw somebody with a basket in a movie theater, I'm not going, ooh, what's in there? Must be something I need. Yeah. You know, like, so I find it and like, and that's like a kind of recurring theme uh, with the the tenants in the uh, hotel as well, which I feel like that also adds, uh, again, like some of the, the New York flavor to it. Like, you know, even the very first scene where he like walks in. Uh, the the lobby talk felt very genuine. You know, mm-hmm. you got the manager, you got the drunk guy, and then you got them like you know trying to come up with theories. They see he's got cash, and then they're wondering what's in the basket. We gotta get in his room. We gotta get the basket. You know, yeah. and all these things. So, uh, it you know some characters add in that you know the danger, but then like uh the 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 characters when this hotel, I like that he you know has the people that are. Uh, skeptical and scared and you know whatnot but then you also got Sharon who's a total sweetheart you know and like you know uh uh acts as his friend uh so I I like the the different interactions that we get in this hotel 
Yeah, the, there are a lot of like colorful characters. One of my favorite is like the hotel manager uh, yeah. who's just constantly like, what now? Like, what's going on? Because he just hears like screaming. There's a murder. And he's just like, this place is going crazy. Like, I, I, I really like that character. He's just like constantly in like a white wife beater tank top, you know, just got stains on it, you know, running up and down the stairs in a huff. Uh, so, yeah, there are a lot of like, it's an interesting tapestry of characters that we see. Here. I always, I, I mean, we always feel for, you know, the plight of uh, independent business owners you know he's just out here he's just trying to make his living he's just yeah. trying to do shit i love how he's like this isn't a hotel it's a madhouse and like because yeah. he's just like he's very over it uh he's uh he's uh the dirty new york version of uh wilm defoe's character in the florida project i feel that yeah <laughs> just like i'm just trying i'm just trying to keep the peace and keep yeah. this place running that's a crossover we need <laughs> yeah but we also have uh casey too uh which i i think is like another kind of fun uh uh, wrinkle to the movie a friend that Dwayne kind of like unfolds his secrets to that we eventually see him kind of you know reveal the uh, the backstory between him and, and Belial and I think that she has such like kind of a fun spunky attitude I'm sure also probably got the role because she has a great scream uh, which seems to be like a trend with a lot of the women in this movie it's just like because you're gonna have to use it like again a lot of the scenes end uh, with them like looking at the camera and just belting out and so yeah Casey's also like a, a fun addition too yeah yeah Casey uh, Casey is love interest is uh, you know she's she's kind of around and like she's very sweet they have a nice little rapport yeah. I would say and like she does uh, you know they have a nice rapport to where we do get to kind of see yeah, Dwayne kind of come out of his shell a little bit more mm -hmm. um, and and again but then it's like like you uh, mentioned with the screams like yeah the, the women have good screams because of course in kind of the second half is where it leans into a little bit more of like the exploitation vibes yeah uh, a little bit again of like kind of Belial getting super jealous of Casey and like you know Dwayne spending time and things that you know he's gonna leave Belial right uh, for her and uh you know so it's like we get that and then but then we also get you know Belial being a little perv uh, sure. stealing Sharon's panties yeah uh, uh which uh again like I I and and you mentioned uh you know Sharon is a, a nice little confidant to um mm -hmm. you know Dwayne kind of uh giving this giving this backstory which again like I love uh it was in a CD New York looking bar again mm -hmm. kind of adds uh it, you know like that is kind of like what it is when you're just like kind of out drunk and oh you ran into somebody you didn't think you were gonna run into in this spot and yeah. you know now you're gonna have a good time and uh, uh but those flashbacks you know when he does uh you know drunkenly reveal it which one I feel is very effective because we have, we've all been there you know <laughs> we, we we say things when we're drunk and yeah. let it all spill out but um the, these flashbacks are again this is what like what really sympathized me to Belial is like yeah. one seeing their dad's reactions and like when you kind of get the backstory and even though the dad is a total evil tyrant you still get where his emotions are coming from you know mm -hmm. when it's like oh I lost my wife you know and you know now you know this is kind of what what I'm dealing with yeah and uh you know so he doesn't have that you know like accepting family no matter what you know mentality that Dwayne does have mm -hmm. and uh but man that that surgery scene though is like fucking it's like it's upsetting like yeah. it's like you know like literally like forcefully like performing surgery like on a child yeah. is like very like uh, uh the the body horror definitely came in and this I mean we uh, I mean, I guess you could kind of say body horror overall because Belial's body is pretty horrifying. <laughs> uh, but but this uh, but the scene where we kind of get their backstory uh, uh, hit uh, pretty hard. Yeah, and I think also like young Belial, like still attached, actually looks pretty good. Oh yeah, there's like a shot I, I where they like open up the door uh, and you see like young Dwayne like kind of turn and Belial's like attached at his you know kind oh of yeah ribs it looks really good it looks pretty good like and I also like that Belial like looks younger like which is interesting like. He's He's not quite as wrinkly. Like uh, he looks different than uh, the older kind of version of him. He looks softer. He looks softer. He, <laughs> he hasn't been beaten down by the world just quite yet. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think the 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 backstory that we get with them is is really interesting. Goes a long way to kind of you know build sympathy with the characters. And I also think again contributes to my theory that there uh, could be some queer subtext to be had here about like this father who doesn't quite accept you for like you know the son that he thought he would be getting. You know, mm -hmm. and kind of having uh, this resentment towards them obviously there's the the angle with like the death of, the death of the mother and everything which contributes uh to a lot of that but yeah i think you're right this you know surgery sequence that we see between you know these two brothers getting like removed from one another it's it's gross it's it's uh upsetting it's it also it goes a long way narratively too 
Yeah, like I said, there, there's something about it that feels like very violating mm-hmm. uh, when watching it, and then like you know, and then you kind of constantly see the 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 dad, and then the doctors like you know, constantly uh, saying you know, Belial's not human. He's mm-hmm. not a person. This is yeah. not not my son. Like not this. And uh, and like I mean, you know, the 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 little shot of little Belial on the stairs, and he literally hears his dad say like he's not human. Like yeah. that's heartbreaking. Like because again, like I've been there where you know I've like. <laughs> Not, not not been in Belial, but yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been there in like, you know, where you kind of like hear your parents like kind of say something that like, you know, wasn't meant for your ears, you know, yeah. not that this dad probably would have cared. But like when you just like kind of hear those like heartbreaking things that you're just like, oh, like, you know, when when you think of a kid hearing that and like kind of what that means to them and like, you know, what it would be like, you know, just kind of constantly hearing people say like, you're not a person. It's like he's alive and very much like obviously something. And Again, that's like kind of where some of the uh, the abortion pro-life kind of, uh, you know, readings like kind of come in because one of the doctors even says like, well, like, well, why wouldn't they want this? Like, like, do you think they would just rather live out this life? Like, it might as well, like, put it out of its misery, you know, but it's like at the end of the day, that's not your decision to make, you know, people with autonomy and like that are their own people. They get to make those decisions. So it's mm-hmm. like the, the you know, um. Uh, the way that they keep, you know, invalidating Belial is uh, very upsetting. Yeah, again, kind of contributing to uh, this movie and and its use of this character kind of being this unwanted uh, thing to be cut aside. I could see how there could be uh, lots of different reasons for, for you know, uh, people's interpretation of this. I, I think it also, like, your own experiences can, you know, not just with this movie, but with a lot of films, your own experiences are going to kind of color the way that you see something. So if you have more of, like, a pro-life, pro-choice angle or whatever going into this movie, I could understand how somebody could, like, see it from that perspective, you know? Yeah, and again, I mean, I don't think these are things that Hannah Lauer was thinking of, uh, especially (laughs) not back in, you know, 1982. Uh, Probably was not on his mind, but I feel like at least some of this, uh, some of the kind of family stuff and uh, again, I think he probably was aware uh, aware of like kind of using these like exploitation tropes to like kind of play it uh, with these specific characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, like kind of uh, as the second half goes on, there's you know more of these uh, psychosexual things. You know, Belial's getting hornier and angrier. You got Dwayne, you know, dreaming about running around New York naked. Which shout out, we get Dong. We get we get we get a good we get a good nine seconds of Dwayne Dong running around and. <laughs> Hats off to him. Hats off to Dwayne and his dong, his uh, his other little friend, you know, <laughs> his other <laughs> little Belial. <laughs> uh, they they kind of, and I'll say they they bring it in a little too late because I mean the I dong. feel like uh, yes the dong <laughs> we, we can always use more dong, uh, but kind of bringing in some of this uh, the the psychosexual angle. I feel like maybe if they kind of peppered it in a little bit more throughout the film, yeah, could have been a very like interesting like extra thing to it because like again like I kind of uh thought it interesting as uh this plight and like uh this like kind of again later coming of age for these two characters and how one of them gets to experience these things and the other one doesn't yeah i think it, it does get a little repetitive for me uh i i think the film structurally does as, as far as like uh belial is left to his own devices kind of freaks out a little bit the hotel's like what's going on and then you know Dwayne comes back and sees the the aftermath of whatever attack or you know disruption or freak out and you know kind of rinses and repeats that with some variation but not as quite as much as i would have liked to have seen so yeah maybe throwing another subgenre or diving into those other subgenres could have benefited it yeah or maybe bringing because it because it yeah because we get to that repetitive part and then that's when like the flashbacks start coming in so yeah maybe if they would start introducing some of that a little bit earlier uh to because again like they didn't do any flashbacks at the beginning of the movie because they were still trying to like make it a mystery and it's like you we don't need to make it a mystery you know so they could have uh helped out the the structure and that angle a little bit um, what'd you, what'd you think about, uh, uh, Belial's, uh, freak out in the, the hotel room where we get, uh, kind of the most stop motion elements and like, yeah. this is just Belial, five minutes of him screaming, throwing a tantrum in this hotel room. As much as I love stop motion in this, it is like super out of place in this movie. There's just like a whole, like, you know, claymation sequence of him, like crawling around on the floor. I think that there are some practical ways, like just as far as like the visual effects, you know, to, you know, 
see him like crawling around on the floor rather than him just kind of like scooting <laughs> with his torso. Like he just kind of like wiggles. <laughs> Maybe like having him like, you know, crawl himself with his arms or something like that. But yeah, it is. It's a little silly. It's a little campy, which is fine. Like it's that movie. I would have it, you know, no other way. Uh, but yeah, it is also just a lot of him just like screaming and wailing. I, I could see that being a turnoff for a lot of people as far as, you know, it's like Belial is so loud and just screams all the time. So I could see some people being like, this movie is fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the stop motion, it kind of comes a little bit out of nowhere. But again, he's just like kind of trying to do what he could. But it's like, yeah, they easily could have just like had him on the ground with like some fishing line and like pulling him around Something, the floor, yeah. you know, like they, they could have done. Uh, but again, he's, you know, he's, you know, probably he was proud of the creation of Belial and need yeah. to show it off because I bet the prosthetic for Belial is probably, you know, one of the more expensive things except yeah. for the aside from the film. They probably had the one, you know, like yeah. the, the one thing and they're like, all right, this is it. <laughs> True. Yeah. So yeah. maybe uh, the stop motion helped it be a little bit more delicate. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think it still looks solid. I think Belial in general looks pretty good. Like there's a couple scenes where it's like, you know, the arms are moving. You can kind of like see the skin like, you know, fold in. Or, or the the rubber fold in or whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, fun fact, when we only see Belial's hands on screen, those are henna lotters in a glove. Oh, very nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think something that we've, uh, like, just on a, a quick Google, like I said, I haven't seen the, the sequels, um, but I think that they add a little bit more, like, variety to him. He just kind of looks like a big tumor. Uh, I think having him maybe with some, like, stray hairs or something like that have him be like a bit wetter or like sweatier or something like that give him a bit of texture because he is kind of just like this lump he looks like a shoulder with teeth you know yeah. like he's just kind of lumpy uh which he does drool though i appreciate does, yeah. that he's constantly drooling well of course he is he just barely has any lips like he's all teeth <laughs> yeah so i think maybe some you know like like overgrown hair you know like a like a weird old baby man or something like that or uh, a bit sweatier uh, you know give him a, get him a bit of texture here i think those are like practical things that wouldn't be yeah. like super expensive yeah like do. some 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 hairs i don't think he has any ears yeah. Um, if he had like one ear or something like that might help out a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then there's like a couple scenes where they like swap his eyes out for like glowing eyes. I feel like that's very odd. And I feel like yeah. that that also could have helped too if they just like would have really like focused on like making the eyes look very human. Yeah. You know, to like, you know, remind you. Um, but, but I think overall, like Belial looks pretty good for the most part, at least for, again, for the, for the money, for, for how hard it was to like kind of film this. Uh, I've seen much worse. I've seen, yeah. I've seen way worse creature designs. And I also want to say, um, that the screaming in that hotel scene, um, yes, obviously he screams a lot and it gets annoying, but it also, again, like kind of, uh, gives that that new york feel of like you know when you're you're living somewhere where it's like you can kind of hear everything through the walls you know so it's like the 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 tenants hear this and they're just like what's going on like what's he doing he's freaking out is there an animal in there is like somebody getting hurt yeah Uh, like what is it so it's like i like that we kind of use it for that angle too to like kind of get all the tenants in a in a little bit of a tizzy this might be a reference that's lost on you but i kind of want to cut this scene and like the sounds of belial freaking out with that scene and big to where like tom hanks like first goes to the big city and he's like living on his own at the apartment and he hears like a gunshot and he starts he cries himself to sleep (laughs) i want to cut those scenes together he just hears he just hears belial screaming is just crying you know wanting his parents (laughs) i couldn't i couldn't find who does the screams for belial i'd really love to know oh yeah that'd be really Uh, but not uh uh, uh, not listed Belial's uh, not listed on IMDb unfortunately but yeah. some, somebody did or I wonder if maybe it was a stock thing or maybe that was also Hen and Lauder Who yeah knows? it'd be cool if it was the same you know like actor as Dwayne too yeah, like that would be, yeah. That would be neat. but uh, yeah I have no idea but they really get the, the most out of that screen but yeah I think as yeah to, as far as the, the practical effects it's as good as it probably could be I'm sure that you know I'm, sh- I'm sure the vision of uh, Hen and Lauder you know, was probably not exactly what he got. I think that there are um, a few key sequences. There's like one shot in particular, like pretty early on to where I think they use the lighting like really well. Uh, like I could show it to, to you. Like, I think he looks oh, like yeah, really yeah. solid there. His teeth mm-hmm. are like really sharp. His, his eyes are kind of marbly. You're right. Like his eyes do change throughout the film. Like maybe they didn't, they did have different, like, you know, 
prosthetics or something like that because there are some shots to where he looks more of like a mask uh to where you know the others he looks more of like a, a figure it's not like mm-hmm. yeah we have this face and then a thing built around it it's like no he's a puppet it's probably somebody's hand up there so, yeah and th- yeah. they only use that other one with the glowing eyes like once or twice and i wonder if that's because maybe like is if they only had one and maybe like that was like one of the later filming sessions and yeah. like belial was like all like trash to shit by that point and there's like <laughs> uh, uh we still need one more scene with belial what can we do and there's glowing like, eyes <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so, so yeah, I, I do wonder and make him look like Michael Jackson at the end of the thriller video. <laughs> yeah. From, from what I remember of, uh, seeing like clips of, uh, the second one, like they actually do like kind of put a little more effort into him, like kind of moving around and, yeah. and, uh, uh, and, you know, being a little bit more of a central focus on it. So, um, you know, they, we, we, we got what we could. We yeah, got what we could. I'm curious what you think as, as like having seen uh, a movie that is is in both of our movie maths. So I feel like we can at least address mm-hmm. it now. But like, how did you feel of like seeing this and like retroactively, you know, maybe seeing the inspiration between this and something like Malignant? You know, because I, yeah. I feel like it's it's maybe not <laughs> obvious. I don't think James Wan was like, oh, I'm doing the modern day version of Basket Case. But I think that there are some like pretty obvious parallels. Oh no, sure. it was it was listed in his uh, uh in the influences whenever um whenever he was talking about malignant and yeah retroactively because i because i again i knew the story beats of basket case but i didn't remember because i thought it was just like belial kind of like killing at random like mm-hmm. i thought it was like all like these just like accidents of him like freaking out gotcha. i didn't realize it was like no this is a revenge tale they're out for these doctors mm-hmm. there's three doctors in this one three doctors in the other in yeah. malignant uh so yeah the, the, the it's definitely there for sure uh the, yeah. the influence and and um and again, it's like I wonder if you know, with with uh, when Malignant came out, uh, that was the most I'd seen anybody talking about Basket Case on Twitter in like years. Until so, now, <laughs> baby. <laughs> you know, so so it's like I'm glad that uh, Malignant was able to like kind of get uh, get Basket Case back in people's heads. But yeah, it's it, the 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 setup is totally there as far as uh, the the revenge angle. Yeah. And and again, like the sympathy that I feel for Belial is the same sympathy I feel for Gabriel, even mm-hmm. though Gabriel's a little bit more sadistic. Because he, uh, Gabriel has a little more agency and autonomy to him, so he's a, a little bit crazier. Yeah. Um, so I feel more sympathy for Belial, but like it's it's the same thing. Like I like Gabriel's my boy, like my, my sweet backwards boy. I feel for him, uh, and it's uh, it, again it was um, but he still did enough to to kind of change it though, because yeah. like you know in Malignant, it's like they were like still trying to help and they did acknowledge Gabriel as mm-hmm. his own entity versus yeah. in this one the doctors are just like no like like we're not even giving him they don't even call Bilal by his name ever like the, yeah. the doctors or the dad never do the only one that does is their sweet aunt yeah. Gabriel and uh, uh Casey uh, Gabriel didn't get a sweet aunt that cared about him that's the difference there the tide for sure uh, yeah. very but much so I think this movie is also missing like a you know a opening sequence like a, a cold open of like we need to cut out the cancer you know that's that's really the ingredient that this movie is oh uh, man I fucking love Malignant I can't wait till we do talk about it here on this on this podcast we will at some point eventually I kind of want to go home and watch it like right now <laughs> I, I, I could I've, I've watched it like seven times and I chant we need to cut out the cancel like it's a sporting event like <laughs> even when it's is. by myself <laughs> yeah just you and Calcifer and he's just like oh my god another another rewatching of Malignant Dad <laughs> literally he's like yeah uh, for sure um, and, and I will say because we've already mentioned that this movie does have sequels uh, which kind of sucks because I feel like it uh, kind of uh, tamp- dampens the the tragic ending of this, of mm-hmm. both of them dying. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I feel like, because I know that they, I guess apparently in the sequel, they're like, no, they totally like got rushed to the hospital after that. Because like we just end the movie with their bodies like dead yeah. on the ground and then credits roll. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess it, it wasn't too far out of the realm for them to bring them back. But at the same time, I really liked like the tragic ending that, you know, these two brothers are, you know, they're coming to a head like even after... They have exacted their revenge. Belial's still not happy because obviously mm-hmm. Belial's life still sucks and revenge is always never the answer. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, so it's like now they're just, you know, still frustrated and mad at each other and, uh, you know, jealous and, and feel this, uh, you know, contempt uh, for each other as well, even after the revenge is exacted. So it's yeah. like I like the, the this, uh, you know, kind of tragic ending. Uh, Belial hanging from the sign. It looks all right, but you know what? It's all good. Yeah, I think I <clears throat> I wish the movie would have like dove into that angle a little bit more, like the conflict between the two of them. A lot of it is like in between the lines, and again, Belial just in an apartment, just like having a tantrum and screaming. So I, I think 
the movie taking itself like a touch more seriously narratively and like giving us a bit more of that relationship, um, I, I think uh, could have been uh, interesting. I, I think that there's also like there's a version of this movie I'd be curious to see as as far as like having Belial still attached to like what does that look like? How would that you know having him separated? I think does give him a bit more isolation. But yeah, I would be curious to see if you know if that would kind of change uh, the movie in a significant way. Um, if I remember correctly, I think in the sequel, there's like something about them getting reattached. Oh, man. So so if that's what you want, it's in the sequel. <laughs> Double feature of that and Malignant tonight. Because <laughs> like in the se- in the sequel, they like seek out this like house ran by like a like a, a foster home ran by this lady that takes in children with deformities and things like that. So uh, Bilal gets to be. Uh, amongst his peoples and uh, you know and then I think there is an angle to where it's like they want to be like reattached uh, because they like kind of talk Dwayne into like that it's like no like th- this is who you truly are like you you, yeah. you by yourself no that's not who you are your true self is you guys united I so, so there you go might have to check it out might have to check it out yeah I'm curious if you know maybe I'm underestimating the the sequels as much as people underestimate this movie yeah but but again yeah I, I, I think um I, I think that I, I still liked uh, the very tragic ending. I think this Me still would have would have been fine, uh, not knowing that their sequels and like this being like kind of its own uh, standalone thing. Um, but again, like uh, for I, I was just very much impressed by uh, you know what they still were able to pull off, you know, uh, looks wise with the budget. Because even when we're not focusing like on Belial, obviously, like when we're just like walking around the city, like it looks really good. We mm-hmm. get some really good shots. Like it looks really good at night. Which yeah. is like you know very hard to pull off, and uh, so it's like the the night scenes look really good, the scenes of the city look really good, and and uh, and the the set decoration of like making you know the the hotel you know sure. look very lived in, and uh, you know kind of feeling the grime around it. So it's like I, I still am impressed by like what they're able to do there, and then uh, the the score done by uh, Gus Russo, really good. Yeah, uh, like uh, you can tell it was made on one keyboard, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it actually really works. Uh, there's uh, there's a couple like really really melancholic um uh music uh cues in there where again like uh that the the scene where Dwayne is uh comforting Belial in the bathroom and then uh during some of the flashback scenes there's actually some like very like uh uh really good emotional like kind of uh sad music behind it but then yeah um it also kind of still gets that like um that neon you know nightlife at 2 a.m vibe as well yeah i think uh and you know maybe transitioning into to final thoughts for sure but i i think that yeah the 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 score and uh a lot of the 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 way the film is 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 filmed in you know on film uh in new york city on location i think does give this film like a bit more of uh credibility to it in a weird way uh i i think it looks better than it probably could have on the budget uh i think yeah the score uh really contributes to the relationship between the two of them i think that there's a lot of uh like narrative subtext to the film that i think a lot of people could 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 watch this movie with and kind of you know take their own meaning uh with i think that the the film is a little skimpy on uh some of the the body horror of the film uh, a lot of the uh the kills in the movie are a bit more reduced and i think maybe even the filmmaker probably w- would like them to have been again it's like you're a couple you've got the budget of like a car nowadays and like that's about it <laughs> yeah i mean so, i i kind of it's like i i would put this movie like it's almost in between a and b movies mm-hmm. uh kind of like in a similar it sits like more on a level of like maniac versus like something like uh like microwave massacre sure uh, you know that's a true b movie i feel like if he had you know the budget materials he wasn't aiming for b material vibe so it's like this kind of still sits in between that little uh in in between those layers for me yeah i think it, it certainly aims higher i think that's what i admire about the movie most is it doesn't like aim lower than its budget you know would would lead you to believe i i don't think it like really punches down or tries to be too gross or too seedy or rely too much like on nudity or something like that. I think a lot of movies from this era could potentially just do that of like, oh, we'll just make it like a softcore porno with some violence. That's what people want to see. Uh, but I don't, yeah, I don't think it undercuts itself at all. I think that this is a reasonably substantive movie about this fractured relationship or this fracturing relationship between these two brothers and kind of them enacting revenge and, you know, one of them kind of coming to terms with what they're actually doing. So yeah, I think that there's a reason that 
that this film has, you know, uh, landed with people, has inspired a lot of sequels. Uh, I don't think it's nearly as bad as some people would say that it is or would say that it, you know, even could have been or what people would assume it is. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun uh, rewatching this one. Uh, I think it was uh, bumped up uh, just a, a bit for me, not super significantly. So right now I'm at a three and a half out of five uh, baskets. Three and a half out of five baskets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm going I'm going to go four out of five, actually, because, again, like I, I would have given it more of a three and a half. But but because of the, the true effort uh, put behind it. And again, like you said, like it they very much could have, uh, you know, aimed for more in its in its threshold. And it didn't, you know, it still goes beyond that. And uh, yeah, anybody that, you know, would uh, discount this movie as far as it not being substantive is like, again, I feel like that's just more off of people's uh, sure. assumptions. You know, they see the cover, they see some of the images, they see yeah. maybe a couple clips of it, and then they're going to assume, you know, yeah. but I feel like if you definitely like actually give it a shot, like, yeah, it's very yeah. substantive. There's uh, uh, the relationship between Dwayne and Belial is very compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like I thought like even like some of the, the weird exploitation, psychosexual elements like introduced in the second half are very interesting to me. And uh, like, cause you know, like you said, like, uh, you know, they could have had like, uh, you know, the, the cheapness could have led to, you know, a more, more skimpiness. And, uh, and even though we do have a little bit of nudity in there, it's, it's, it's for a reason, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, definitely not like gratuitous and like, yeah, not, not without its uh, purpose. Uh, so it's like I feel like he definitely like, kind of used all those elements really well to kind of meld into this creature feature. Um, but yeah, but at the but again, like it it, it definitely wouldn't even have this uh, kind of substance and impact if it wasn't for that uh, relationship between Dwayne and Belial and mm-hmm. being able to get the sympathy from me you know, for this, you know, squashed octopus uh, <laughs> person, uh, you know, like the, just uh, for the fact of that. Um, of it kind of being, uh, you know, one of those miracle kind of movies that's like, I'm glad that, you know, he stuck with it, like, you know, having to film it over multiple periods and, you know, with literally nothing. And, uh, you know, so I, I appreciate that. And uh, it is a vibey movie. It's a it's a nice New York grimy vibe. Looks good or well, looks decent. Sounds good, and uh, and I would definitely watch it again. Like so, yeah, I I, I was very yeah. surprised at how much I enjoyed this, and maybe it's because I'm coming off the high of like two really good movies last night, and I'm being a little generous. <laughs> but uh, I, I I gave it uh that little extra half star for uh, uh four and a half out of five for me. Yeah, also a killer title. Like I really like the title of Basket Case. Oh, I know it's yeah. a pun, but it's a good title. No, yeah, it works out like great title, great title. Um, but let's go ahead and see what other titles we were thinking about when we were talking about Basket Case. All right, here on Spectre Cinema Club, uh, we like to conclude all of our episodes by playing a game called Movie Math. Uh, you just have to take a few movies and put it into an equation uh, that just has to equal the film today that we discussed. Uh, Devon, what's in your equation? All right. Well, of course, um, we, we kind of we've you know alluded to some of the ones in here, but so I got some parentheses going. Uh, first one up is Maniac. Of course, uh, you know, that is kind of the the template grimy New York slasher movie, mm-hmm. uh, which we will be talking about here on the pod uh, here soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, but uh, a lot of similarities. Uh, Maniac only came out two years beforehand. Uh, I could even see Hannah Lauder and Zito being friends. Uh, yeah. The, the director, not the. Uh, but um, but yeah, so some of that in there, some of the uh, way that uh, some of the kills and like kind of. Uh, gross voyeurism that are is presented. You know, you get shades of that here uh, in Basket Case. So I guess so I got Maniac, and then I got that added to, which uh, we don't bring in a ton of non horror movies, but I kind of had to because I <laughs> like I was like this movie also had is like somebody had to think, hey, Basket Case, but what if we made it into a rom com <laughs> instead of a horror movie? And uh, that's the uh, Stuck on You. Uh, from sometime in the early 2000s yeah. with uh, Matt Damon and Greg Kinnear being uh, conjoined twins. Right. And, uh, you know, and, but and there you go. That's uh, the, the movie that you wanted of Dwayne and Blau <laughs> being stuck together. They are stuck together from uh, a majority of the movie. And yeah. you kind of can see how uh, that relationship and dynamic works out. It's a uh, similar uh, issues of resentment and mm-hmm. you know especially when it comes to you know being uh, romantic and sexual uh, is a lot of uh, the uh, the plights that come between those two uh, in the film so uh, definitely got um, in parentheses maniac plus stuck on you and then I have that divided by of course malignant 
uh, you know, because again, kind of taking that that same premise, uh, some of the same uh, relationship yeah. angles to it, but then uh, very different tone, very different. You know, obviously, uh, way better filmmaking. Yeah, uh, remove all the action and uh, things of that nature, and uh, but the, the the core of *Malignant* is uh, still uh, very much there. So, so that's my equation. What do you got? Yeah, *Basket Case* uh, wanted to be *Malignant* uh, when it grow, uh, grew up, uh, which is why it's in my equation as well. I have *Malignant* in parentheses minus. I cheated a little bit uh, in my equation. I don't. I, *Malignant* is the only like actual film I have in my equation, but I'm subtracting the genre of giallo uh, from *Malignant*, uh, and then raising all of that to the power of Lloyd Kaufman. Uh, if you're not familiar, he's like a writer, director, producer. He made like *The Toxic Avenger* and a bunch of other like really trashy, like you know, super micro budget uh, uh, B movies. Uh, so if you're familiar with the the aesthetic of something like *A Toxic Avenger*, I think that this has it i think that basket case is a bit more serious than something like that um but i i still think that the the sentiment is there as far as uh being like these kind of again grimy uh low budget do-it-yourself sort of filmmaking happening here for sure yeah, I, I like that um, as we've uh, started to introduce exponents into movie math, we kind of weren't sure what we we're using it for. But now it's like uh, in the spirit of is yeah. like kind of uh, seems what the exponent is yes. being used for. Similar to times, uh, which we've we've established is like a vibe. Um, but yeah, uh, but, you know, raising it to the power of is, you know, also it's like of, a it's, it's like, like a, times. Yeah. Uh, it's like a good hat tip. That's exactly. what the exponent is like exactly. with a hat tip. Over exactly. Here. Our rules are uh, a little fast and loose here, but we've got them nonetheless <laughs> ever changing ever changing you know we're figuring it out just like you guys are um but i am super excited to uh dive into the rest of the films that we got coming up uh again we are getting uh, nice and grimy uh we got a couple uh it's like we got one other uh very low budget film a uh, very independent film mm -hmm. uh we have another film that is technically a part of a franchise but we're only covering the first one uh and then of course we are covering scream six Next week. Very it's excited. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, I, I will not be doing like a rewatch other than uh, Scream 5. Uh, it'll be like my first time since watching it uh, in theaters. And I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited, man. I'm, I've heard really good things about it. Nothing too spoilery. Uh, I think the trailers don't like reveal too much, uh, but I'm excited to be reunited with this new cast of characters and completely new setting for the film, which I think is going to give this franchise a bit of a facelift. Uh, so I'm pumped, man. I'm uh, I'm in the middle, obviously, because uh, a <laughs> bit you know fan of the Scream franchise. But if you guys remember from uh, the Scream Five episode, I was not very big on it. Um, have not also have not rewatched it since uh, theaters. I've been kind of dreading it, but you know what? I'm gonna hop back in so that way we get back in the mood. And yeah. I do. Uh, I'm a little more hopeful for this one around since I feel like they kind of got there. You know the things that they needed to take care of. You know, and now yeah. I feel like this is like gonna be the true radio silent scream, mm -hmm. uh, possibly. So. Uh, we will have to find out, so make sure you guys uh, go catch that as soon as you can, because we are going to be going into it next week with uh, full spoilers. We'll we'll try to do some uh, non-spoiler thoughts at the beginning, uh, a little bit more than usual, and then, of course, we're going to get into it. Um, but in the meantime, Garrett, what are you working on right now? Uh, you guys can follow me on Letterboxd and TikTok if you want to see like my early reaction to Scream before we dive on into our in-depth thoughts. You can follow me uh, at Garrett McDowell. Uh, not only on uh, uh, t TikTok and Letterboxd, but also Twitter as well. Um, and if you want to hear some more podcast stuff from me, you can subscribe to my other podcast, Scum and Villainy, which is uh, my Star Wars podcast that I do, if that is your sort of thing. Yes, and we always have links to everything in the show notes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Daddy Disco. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd there as well. Um, at the podcast has a TikTok that I'm trying to make more clips on, so go follow us over there. And you can hear me uh, lately on uh, the Pod and Pendulum. I jumped on over there for um, the first purge, and we're also going to be doing uh, the Forever Purge. Um, so if you want some more of that, go over there. And then one last time, I will uh, plug that we covered all the other Scream movies, so go back and go listen to those before next week. But... Now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, a nice little review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys, stay lifted.